bullshit, it's all just dumb gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hey everybody, welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about politics like we're talking about reality TV. We sure do. And we're still here. <laughs> we're still here. Even though one of the patron saints of this podcast, Elizabeth Warren, dropped out of the race. Mm -hmm. So we have no chance of her being president. No. But now, just like in reality TV, Meow Meow, when one of our favorites quits... We don't. We keep watching. How right. hard was it to keep on watching Vanderpump Rules when Stassi quit? <laughs> Do you know how fucking hard that was? Like, we needed, like, a medal for yeah. that. That yeah. show was garbage without Stassi. Yeah. And what about Housewives without Nene or Jill Zarin? That was hard. I mean. That was hard. Like. They tried. They tried and, and tried and we stayed. We stayed. And we got used to it eventually. Yeah. We just we Jill Zarin was nothing but a twinkle yeah. in the Chihuahua's eye. That's right. And it was like, but but we were we were beside ourselves when Jill Zarin got axed. Yeah, it was sad. But you know, if they brought her back now, we might have to go back and watch it. And they probably would. Well No, but we don't watch any of those shows now. So it's, you can you can grow beyond it. You can. That's but, true. But I mean honestly, I felt like Vanderpump without Stassi. I'm like, man, this isn't going to be easy. But you know what? We persevered and Stassi came back. That's true. Stassi came back. I have a feeling Elizabeth Warren. We're new. I mean, we're obviously she's a senator, so we're going to see her. Yeah. And you know that she's not. She's not. She's going to do something. She's going to do something awesome for sure. -er -er. Well, I think we're going to have a bit of an identity crisis depending on what happens in November. And we sort of got a small taste of it with her dropping out. What's going to happen if if hopefully a Democrat gets in and we like them? Who will we be angry at? <laughs> who will we yell at? Mm -hmm. You know, how will we stay invested when it's boring again? I feel like it's not going to be boring again, even if it's First of all, if it's Bernie, it's not going to be boring because there's going to be a lot to talk about there. <laughs> and if Biden, it's not going to be boring because he himself, we're going to go from. Um, well, there's going to be a lot to talk about there. We're not going exactly. to let either one of them get away with lies, false promises, right. bullshit. We're going to stay angry. We're going to try and keep them accountable. So yeah. we'll see as it gets closer. But and there's always the adjacent things to talk about. Those are some of our favorite things. Supporters, cabinet, <laughs> workers, what people are doing. You know, there's yeah. going to be all of that. There's the Senate is going to be still exciting. And if you feel like we're going to get on your nerves when we're still talking shit, when your favorite candidate is there, whether it's Bernie or Biden, we're still going to talk our shit. We're mm -hmm. not going to stop. We're mm -hmm. not going to stop. No. So if you 
think that might annoy you, what you should do is join our Patreon podcast because <laughs> yeah, we don't exactly. talk about politics on there at all. No, no, we don't. That's right. You can sign up for one podcast a week for $1 or two podcasts a week for $2. You got to go to www.patreon.com slash politics. It's about everything else but politics. We, our travels, our adventures, our weird shit we just talk shit we talk shit we talk hollywood stuff and we're not in a mood we're not in a politics mood we're not Mm -hmm. complaining we're not raging against the machine so if you find that you know you don't want to listen to us do that crap you think politics is boring or you think our take on it is annoying go to the patreon yeah please just go there now just turn this off (laughs) Uh, i do want to say a shout out meow meow to joanna and vanessa we yeah. saw them at Elizabeth Warren's speech and they said they were two of our 14 listeners. Mm-hmm. Hi, girls. It made me think, do Joanna and Vanessa listen to the Patreon podcast? That is a good question. Why the fuck did I not ask them turn into full Mary Kay right there on the street <laughs> with those young, gorgeous little girls like, excuse me. Are you guys on the Patreon? I mean, wouldn't I assume that they would be if they're uh, one of the 14? You guys, Joanna, Vanessa, please send us your picture for the Drug Down Bulletin Board and Mm -hmm. anyone else that wants to be remembered forever. We usually (laughs) we started this bulletin board because we wanted to have people's photos so that when we went to live shows, We haven't really, we did a live show in Aspen at the beginning of the year, but we haven't really, we've just been lazy and remiss in doing live shows because quite frankly, I hate it. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But I like meeting the listeners. So send us the pic. And then Kate Vogel, our Patreon daughter, she's our little cute baby daughter. She, she's from Massachusetts. She has chickens. She sent us so many treats and messages over the years. She literally fucking sent a yarmulke with Jewish curls hanging down yep. for dumpling mm-hmm. and a Jewish star. Yep. We have it right here, Kate. So freaking cute. And on the Patreon, I mentioned that I like San Pellegrino orange soda. Mm-hmm. Love. And she sent us, I'm going to say the, maybe it's the, the San Pellegrino hack. It's called Diet Polar Orange Dry. So basically, you can get that San Pellegrino taste without paying that Pellegrino yeah. price. Mm-hmm. It's in a can. Now, Kate, you mentioned on the Patreon that you weren't sure our feelings on diet soda. I will get down with, with a full sugar soda. I prefer it. Now, Meow Meow will do both. Yeah. But as far as diet goes, this is pretty good. It is good. It is good. And it's not like a... It's not a zero zero. It has some calories. Yeah. But it's like. So that means it must not be like aspartame. It's or not. Something. I don't have to taste that aftertaste. Yeah. It tastes good. It only has 15 calories. You guys. I'm where. Where am I going to get 24,000 more of these? She sent it to us from Walmart. Mm. So get on that diet polar orange dry life because it's taste day. Now yeah. we do need to do some research and find out what exactly it's sweetened with. Because if it's any kind of kooky thing then i'm just going full sugar right you know it is good it's great so thank you so much kate you're so sweet we love you so much and it really cheered us up it really did it was nice to get some diet orange soda i I ripped it open right in the mail place and cracked one and was like sweet (laughs) and per everything that's delivered from walmart 
all of the cans are warped and bent. That is straight up true, Kate. And the box. Yeah, that's it's so weird. Less uh, Dev and Verona feel like, damn, I sent stuff from Walmart and it was all. No, no, this is all warped. Like every single can has. Yeah, it's like the top has basically exploded, but they're still carbonated. They're still drinkable. I mean, it does dribble down my face. I've spilled it down my thing, my shirt. Like, yeah, because it's like up, raised up and you can't get it like in your mouth. Right. Even. Well, we're definitely getting coronavirus from it. Yeah. Well, great. And you know what, Kate? Thank you for sending us (laughs) coronavirus. Now it's time for Eye of the Shit Storm. You take some shit, put it up on the wall, check it out for a while. You take that shit up off of the wall, put it down on the floor in a glass bowl. You take some fuck, put it up on the wall where the shit used to be. All right. So this shit storm started blowing last Monday when two important candidates dropped out of the Democratic primary race and endorsed Joe Biden, leading the way for the moderate wing of the Democratic Party to consolidate behind him. In less than two days, Joe Biden became the clear frontrunner. Bernie Sanders became his only competition, and the pathway to the presidency closed for Elizabeth Warren. Despite reassuring her supporters that she wasn't going anywhere, on Thursday, Senator Elizabeth Warren officially dropped out of the race. At first, I thought it was only a shitstorm for us, (laughs) her staff, her donors, her volunteers, and stands. But the reaction to her dropping out was swift and loud, and it wasn't just the people who voted for her. People who didn't even fucking vote for her were pissed off. Yeah, that's because everybody knows that having another old white guy in the White House is wrong. Regardless of chaos, regardless of beating Trump, regardless of the need to win at all costs, we had Elizabeth Warren, we had Kamala Harris, we had Andrew Yang, we had Amy Klobuchar, and we had gay and young Pete Buttigieg. It didn't have to be another old white dude, but that's who people voted for. That's what we all feel comfortable with, and we hate that we're like this, but we are, clearly. Ugh, the whole thing is just breathtaking in its absurdity. You're one person with one vote. The whole thing about not voting at all because you don't know enough about the candidates or not voting for the woman because you, quote, can't trust other people not to be sexist or voting for the most popular candidate because we just have to beat Trump and get out of chaos before we can risk new ideas. It's just not quiche. (laughs) And if you liked Biden and we're always going to vote for him and you did, then good. If he was your second choice and your candidate dropped out, so you voted for him, then good. You voted with your heart for your own reasons, and we totally support that. And we fucking love Joe Biden. We said that a million times. But if you liked Warren or Bloomberg or Tulsi Gabbard or even Bernie, (laughs) and you wanted to vote for them but you couldn't risk it, then you're doing your life wrong. You're one single vote. Have some goddamn balls. Yeah! Have a big pussy! Have some big lips! Yeah, get a girl a clit and fucking vote for who you want. Girl a clit! Quit trying to act like your vote is a million votes. Oh, I can't possibly vote for Elizabeth. (laughs) I'll take her down. I'll take down Bernie in one single shot if I vote for the woman. Yeah, I can't deal with it at all. (laughs) I feel like even with, like, um, my mother, let's say. Like, she loved Elizabeth Warren, but she was too scared to to vote for her. Plus, she wanted to keep her as a Massachusetts senator, but I thought it was more fear-based. And I think she was, she really felt, had this feeling that so many people had of like, it's not safe, it's not safe, it's not safe, it's not safe, it's not safe. Yeah. I saw that online and I don't even read Twitter and I saw it over and over and over. You know, I love her, but I just can't, we just can't risk it right now. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we just do you. (laughs) Do your one vote. Right. Your one vote. Yep. So she notified the press 
that she was dropping out on Thursday morning and she had a little mini press conference on her driveway. And wow, was it a bummer. She almost cried 50 million times. We fully cried 50 million times. (laughs) So here's a clip. So I announced this morning uh, that I am suspending my campaign for president. Um, I say this with a deep sense of gratitude for every single person who got in this fight Every single person who tried on a new idea, every single person who just moved a little in their notion of what a president of the United States should look like. Um, I will not be running for president in 2020, but I guarantee I will stay in the fight for the hardworking folks across this country who've gotten the short end of the stick over and over. That's been the fight of my life, and it will continue to be so. So, anyone have a question? Um, I don't know why I love it when she goes, so, anybody have any questions? <laughs> I was just like, was so into it. Like, she was so genuine, and I hope that people really <laughs> regret not voting for her after I, like, watching like, the last couple days with her. They're acting like they do regret it, which is almost even more insulting. And I want to say this again. I want to reiterate. If you find this train of thought and this attitude and vibe if these vibes, vibes are annoying vibes, you guys vibes. then pop over to the patreon where you don't have to hear us but for <laughs> for right now i've got to bitch and moan and complain about the way the system works about what's going on i just and i know it's going to get on some people's nerves but we just have to it was so sad and i don't i can't honestly i can't speak to what pete Buttigieg did when he dropped out or what amy klobuchar did because we were it was the day before super tuesday and we were literally on the campaign trail for Elizabeth Warren I love, a campaign trail we're so official <laughs> but we were busy everyone was busy so I don't know what they said to their supporters but I know when we recorded the podcast last week I was so appalled just thinking of all the work we did in one day mm-hmm. going to a speech and campaigning for one day right I thought about people who worked on their their campaigns for months and people who donated tons of money and who were constantly invested. Now, I'm sure they thanked their supporters, but it wasn't even a few hours before they were out campaigning for Joe Biden. And I just feel like what a slap in the face that was. And every single time we heard from Elizabeth Warren, she's absolutely beside herself about in on behalf of all the people that supported her and the time that they put in. And God damn, that's what I'm motherfucking looking for. I'm looking (laughs) for somebody to be like, dude, all these people put so much time and effort and energy and money into this and it didn't work. And she feels like she failed everyone and mm-hmm. you can see it haunting her. Mm-hmm. That is what I'm looking for. Yeah. you didn't. And by the way, in a president too. Right. Exactly. I know I, if anybody worked on the Buttigieg campaign or Klobuchar, I'm curious to know what did they call you? Did they send a note out? Did they just send an email like, oh, we're dropping out, but tomorrow we're endorsing Biden. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Thanks for the wine in the wine cave. Like, what did they exactly? I don't know. But I found her to be so fucking, I'm so even more disappointed that... The level of empathy, and it proves that she helped struggling middle-class families, people buried in debt, like mm-hmm. not just student loan debt, credit card debt, mm-hmm. mortgage debt, bankruptcy medical she has empathy for that regardless if she's suffering from it or not she's like oh man i think she has sat with her in her entire career like like um you know looking at even when she explained like how the bank worked and here's how the numbers are and it blah blah she's like looking at actual data 
and it's probably driving her crazy and it's driving her crazy especially when she knows that she can fix it and then combining it with empathy yeah. which coming from someone uh which is me who is pretty incapable of empathy i have to really dig deep <laughs> for her to have it so that muscle on her it's so strong plus the ability to analyze data it's like her head's exploding like that yeah. like that kid who's into climate greta thunberg, greta thunberg. <laughs> how dare you <laughs> how dare you <laughs> you took my childhood away <laughs> I am no longer a child. I am a woman grown. Grown in a world with no ozone layer. Why did you do this to me? I don't understand. Yes. Yeah, it's like that's what's going on in Elizabeth Warren's I'm mind. Getting on a boat right now. Yeah. It would be propelled by air right. and my own thoughts. So after her speech in the driveway on Thursday morning uh. when we had our good cry. I got a text from the Warren campaign while I was doing laundry from Australia. <laughs> I still hadn't gotten to it. I found it more important. I let my clothes sit rotting with coronavirus in a mm-hmm. suitcase mm-hmm. while I was knocking on doors in Burbank like a douche Yeah, for Elizabeth Warren. So I get a text from the campaign that says, quote, Elizabeth is grateful down to her toes for your support, Brandy. Dial this number at 6 p.m. to hear from her directly. Quick question. Um, Leah Black paid thousands of dollars to meet Pete Buttigieg at a fundraiser that he canceled and then kept the money. Did she ever get a text thanking her for her donation or her support? Uh, that's a good question. And if she did, it wasn't from Pete anyway. It was probably from Ryan Murphy who was throwing. <laughs> actually, Leah probably texted Ryan Murphy. and was like, what the fuck? So after I got the text from the campaign, I immediately texted you and was like, let's rock this shit. Uh Me and you called the number. Mm -hmm. And then it was basically a conference call that we called in. And I continued to do my laundry. What did you do? Well, I recorded the call. Oh, that's right. So, so Mammy, I recorded the call in case we wanted any of it for the podcast. So basically, she comes on the conference call and um, she spoke to all of us and she thanked us all. And she said she's not giving up on her plans for change. And she was just trying with all her might, <laughs> quote, down to her toes to be so encouraging mm-hmm. and get us not to lose hope. But I got to say, it made me more sad. <laughs> and which is why we're not using anything from that. I can't even listen to it. Like uh-huh. Julie recorded the whole thing. And like, I can't even listen to it because it it was more depressing. I'm sitting there doing my laundry just like fuck man why are we like this (laughs) so ironically it was the rachel maddow interview Mm. that turned it around for us right yeah so rachel maddow another person who never seemed all that jazzed about elizabeth warren and granted i guess because she's a journalist and she has to keep her um you know being like unbiased and stuff even though like it's her bias is using off of her all the time also she seemed like she liked amy klobuchar yeah because she said she was the funniest one in the whole thing and well, she had a, um, Elizabeth Warren on for an hour-long interview, and Rachel Maddow was acting upset, like, like, what? <laughs> Obviously, Rachel Maddow could never officially endorse anyone while moderating debates, but where was all this interest from her on MSNBC? Brandy and I went to Elizabeth Warren's speech on Monday night in East L.A. When we got home, the only speech on any news station was Joe Biden's. They played a five-minute snippet of Bernie Sanders' speech and then televised Joe Biden's entire speech. There wasn't even a clip 
of Elizabeth Warren's speech on CNN or MSNBC until the next day. And might I add, there was a ton of press there being fucking annoying and body checking all of us. That's right. Completely. It was so annoying. But the Rachel Maddow interview was great. And like, I've never been more fucking grateful for Rachel Maddow's bugger ass. (laughs) It really gave us the closure we needed to move forward and be excited and sexy for whoever gets the nomination. Mm -hmm. So that's why we're going to play you guys some highlights so that anyone who missed it can get excited and sexy with us. That's right. So the interview was on Thursday night and it was live from Elizabeth Warren's house. (laughs) And I was happy to notice that the Rachel Maddow show can also suffer from sound issues when on the road. So take note of how it goes from echoey and then at the very (laughs) end, slowly, subtly moves into, oh, we found the problem and fixes into regular sound. This is turning out to be our living room tour of important Democratic Party locations in New England. Sounds like our podcast. Uh, yeah. Last night we did the show live <laughs> from, the from Burlington, Vermont, uh, with an exclusive <laughs> interview with Democratic presidential candidate Bernie Sanders. Uh, we broadcast last night's show and that interview literally live <laughs> guy in talking. my friend Steve's living room in Burlington. Um, then I went back to New York. Was that your friend morning, Steve talking? To the office, yeah. But I never made it to the office. I ended up just going straight to the train station to get on the train. Well, bitch, you love traveling. To New England uh, so I could come here to another very important living room. Um, this is Senator Elizabeth Warren's house in Cambridge, Massachusetts, our fair city. Uh, Senator Warren announced today. There it is. There it is. She is leaving the presidential race. She's just in time to announce her dropping out. Her first interview. Oh, there's Rachel's voice. The the gravitas of the voice. She's so newsy now and less podcasty. That was enjoyable. Yeah. Well, it happens to everyone. And we want to thank everyone who put up with our crappy sound issues all through Australia, New Zealand. It was worth it because we had a wonderful, wonderful time. It was so (laughs) hard because we had to go from one place to another. And, you know, traveling so much, it was hard to get, you know, I travel so much and um, it's crazy how I had to go back to the one presidential candidate, to the other presidential also candidate. Also my friend Steve. Oh, my friend Steve. I have a bunch of friends in um, Burlington and, um, you know, I just stayed with Steve and uh, it was crazy because like, you know, I'm on the road, I'm just trying to do my work and it's just like, boop, boop, ring, 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 president, president, president. I'm like, all right, like I got to get into the office, but... It's hard. It's hard when you're just so um, s- as smart as I. Right. And, um, <laughs> Meanwhile, you're fired for fucking up that sound. Oh, right. And by, you know, we're, we're all working really hard. What's his name? Okay. Angela, don't show up tomorrow. Yeah. Anyway. Remember that time when she was like, what's the problem, guys? <laughs> yes, yes. Or does she yes. or something like, are you guys serious? They didn't have a clip. No. Was it a clip or was it sound? It I was, thought it was a clip. They didn't have a clip. And she was like, are you guys serious? Or yeah. what's the problem yeah. tonight, guys? And it was like, ooh. And now listen. We we're we're here for it. Okay. We are we're much more here for Rachel Maddow being cunty to her fucking staff. useless staff <laughs> than than her traveling into Steve's living room. She's the entire boss of MSNBC. I mean it's insane. They all fucking suck Lawrence O'Donnell fucking yeah. As they practically should. Is Let the woman be in charge. Yeah, no, I'm, but uh, of course. You know. So this first clip we're going to play is Rachel Maddow remarking on her shock that so many women around her are upset and feel discouraged. I'm in I'm 46. Uh-huh. I am professional. Yeah. I'm uh-huh. uh, I live in New England. Uh, okay, I have an advanced degree. Ooh, like, wow, you, you're you have amazing. A lot of people have a lot of different stripe 
support mm-hmm. you around the country, yeah. but like, did we need advanced degree? Like, my marching <laughs> ah! is your bullseye. I can't take it. I can't take that. As such, I'm your. Uh, I'm amazing. I'm your strike of that, and I don't mean to be reductive about it. But as such, I have been hearing all day today from people who I know in my personal life, people I know in professional capacity, women who are just bereft. I know. I mean, people telling me they can't mm. get off the couch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is not people who are working on your campaign. Or people Why is Rachel Maddow so fucking shocked? Politics, but there is something about your fight and your qualifications. And your qualifications, indeed, compared to the people who are still in, um, that does feel... It was inspiring, and now it feels crushing. And I think you are. It's like Obama not getting in because it's. So like, I feel the emotion right. today. Yep. Put out your thing and put hope, and first. then get in. That's what it's you're supposed to do. Yep. Maybe she should have had right? Shepard Ferry do her it fucking artwork. And it's, <laughs> it's that we can't lose hope over this. Yeah. You know, we can't lose hope because the only way we make change is we get back up tomorrow and we get back in the fight. We persist. That is how we make change. And it feels like we're never going to make change until we make change. We were never going to elect a Catholic until we elected a Catholic. We were never going to elect a black man until we elected a black man. And we're never going to elect a woman until we elect a woman. So we're just going to stay in this. Yeah, unfortunately, it's true. And it feels discouraging. And I don't know that. I mean, I would think in the next 50 years, there's going to be a woman that people are going to be ready for. But right now this country's not ready they're not ready for a woman clearly there was a perfect one it wasn't the hillary scenario she wasn't the right one but it does feel crushing and it would have felt crushing if if obama didn't get in like i said annoyingly during the clip it was it was a message of hope and it and it resonated and then it got in and it felt so right and it felt so good and maybe for the people who weren't obama fans that's fine but for the majority of people in America, it did feel like hope. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's like Elizabeth Warren, thankfully, didn't embrace that vision of hope. So, you know, thank God, because then it would even feel more like a slap in the fucking mm-hmm. face. Mm-hmm. But we all felt it anyway, because it because it felt possible. That's what her slogan should have been. It's possible. Right. And right. it felt possible, not just a woman, but. But these changes felt possible. They mm-hmm. don't feel possible with Bernie Sanders. And they don't feel possible with Joe Biden. He's not really offering them. So right, right. they felt possible and they're gone now. I am Joy made a great point on Lawrence O'Donnell, I think, this week. And she basically said, when women, are, when women particularly across the board, are ready for a woman president, they will put her in. Black people, when black people saw Obama... They literally like they made that happen, according to her. This is her opinion. Yeah, that they saw. They were like, "Holy fucking shit, we're get this is happening. This is fucking happening." And they made it happen. And she feels that women in this cycle failed, and that it's across the board. The reason that that didn't happen is fear. It's mis- it's whatever. It's all those things wrapped yeah, in everything we've said. And that eventually, when women, just women alone, realize that they can do this, they will make it happen, which I thought was an interesting point. Yeah. Okay, so the second clip is uh, Rachel Maddow asks Elizabeth Warren if she would consider running for president again in 2024. Are you ruling out another 
presidential run yourself <laughs> oh in the my future. gosh are you asking me that today i'm asking you you could run again in four years or in eight years. Oh, my goodness. And you would still be younger than Bernie Sanders is today. Snap. You would still be, I mean, are you? I, uh, I have not ruled it out. I'm just, and that's I think I when. I my husband laughing over there. Uh-huh. Yes. That's when uh-huh. Rachel Maddow burrowed her way into my cold, dead heart and brought it back to life. Right. And I, because I didn't really ever pay attention to how old she was. So it was just like, oh, you well, I, run again. I always knew, but I thought it was too old because even if she gets in, they always said even if she gets in now, she'd be the oldest president ever elected. Oh, I, oh. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, not for nothing. Women do deteriorate quicker than men. I think mentally, like they can get kooky, 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 Okay. You know, uh-huh. when men hit the skids, they hit it hard and fast, but yeah. it's usually a little bit later. Like, it just goes downhill quicker. Oh, I see. Whereas women I are see. like... The slow burn. Calling the law. <laughs> yeah. Pulling out a shotgun and calling the law. And right. it's like, I'm your grandson. <laughs> right. Shit right. like that. Right. So, I mean, sorry, not sorry. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. Just the way she laughed. Four years goes fast. Four years does go fast. It goes faster than That's true. people think. That's right. So... I mean, and depending on what happens, too. What if, okay, Biden's going to get in. He's going to take whatever the VP is, which we're assuming should be a black woman. And then that woman's going to run for president. So it's like Elizabeth Warren, you know, it just might not. It just might right. have been coming right. on. But the fact that it's not, but it's not dead. Well, we'll see who the VPs are. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. The VP, we'll see. VPs are and we'll see who gets in. You exactly. Know? Okay, so the next clip is uh, Rachel asking Senator Warren about her relationship with Joe Biden. What is your history with Vice President Biden, your relationship with him like? So we go back a long way. Uh, We were in uh, the bankruptcy wars uh, against each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, When he was vice president, Mm -hmm. uh, I got to do some work with him. Uh, He, um, He is exactly, at least this is my view, he is exactly who he says he is. Hmm. He's a decent guy. I mean, and I mean that in the good of decency. And uh, it comes through in pretty much everything he does. You have disagreements with him on a number of core policy issues, though. Yep, yep. And agreements on a number of core policy issues. You know, my whole life has been about working families and more about how government should be there to be on their side, Hmm. be there to strengthen working families. I believe that the vice president has the same goal. We may have come at this from different directions and may continue to come at it from different directions, but I don't have any doubt about the sincerity of the goals. That's nice. That is nice. I drifted off. I love that she said he's a genuinely nice guy, and I love that she affirmed what we think about him. Yeah, she affirmed that he's decent, and she affirmed the, that she believes that he's going for the same thing that she's going for, that he cares about working families, that he's actually a, a decent, caring person. And she's clearly, you know, they can, and they can disagree, and they did, and they had their sexual tension. Oh, you're Ooh. good. You're good, counselor. You're good, <laughs> okay, <counselor>. okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I was like, let me put that in my flirt guidebook. You're good, counselor. <laughs> I was like, ah. Time to put it in a script, honey. <laughs> I love that fucking clip. I love and live. Yeah, it's so good. And we've even played it. Yeah, yeah. Because we love them both. She's clearly able to see the good and keep it moving. 
she's not petty. I do think it comes down to for her whether or not you care about poor people. Right. And struggling people. You don't have to be poor, but if you're struggling, whether, like we said, medical debt, bankruptcy, you got your family got you in trouble, addiction. I don't even know exactly how strongly she relates or understands addiction. I don't know that she's had it in her family, but like someone like Van Jones, let's say. But if if she meets someone or someone's in a leadership position and they do not fight for struggling or poor people, I think she thinks they're shite. Yeah. And I think that that comes down to her. It's an injustice. I feel like she's so fact based that it's like, you know, for some people, injustice is like an emotional. It's everything. It's like the injustice of the world. You know what I mean? And she's like, 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 yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's not fair. Yeah, that right. And she's like, I've just looked at this spreadsheet and I can't fucking deal with the injustice of this. This is fucking disgusting. Yeah, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. Black and white. So, but that being her litmus test, I, I love that Joe Biden passed it. Yeah. And it makes, it warms my heart another way. The interview warmed my mm-hmm. heart and woke us up. Mm-hmm. So now Rachel asks her about Bernie Sanders. Uh, what's your relationship like with Senator Sanders? You obviously share a lot of important uh-huh. policy goals, but some differences. And you've been competitors over these last few months. Yeah. What's your relationship with him? So Bernie and I've been friends for a long, long time. Uh dating back way before I ever got involved in politics. Uh, And uh, uh, through the housing crash in particular, kind of here were central issues we were working on. I came up, in fact, the first town halls I've ever done were in Vermont Hmm. for Bernie Sanders. Uh, And uh, Bruce drove me up on a Saturday and we did a couple of town halls. Um, and uh, but it's a set of issues we've worked on both of us for a very very long That's, time, and it, I respect that. That is usually grounds for mutual trust or at uh, least mutual understanding uh-huh. when you've had I a sure long relationship so. like that. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I sure wow. Hope so. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Did mm-hmm. you? Nope. I did not know that. Bruce drove her up, lest anyone think her and Bernie got fucking down and dirty. Okay, <laughs> on those town halls, honey. Bruce was there. Bruce was there. Bruce was there. Bruce was there. Don't worry about it. Now, and also don't worry about the fact that when we do Meow Meow Stand Up, we like to use Bruce as the gay guy who gets lost in the fog in the club. Bruce, always a good gay name. I always, yeah, <laughs> Bruce is a, to- I don't think I've even know a straight man named Bruce. <laughs> I don't even know anyone named Bruce besides, well, we know Bruce Springsteen. Well, now Bruce gets lost in the club and he can't find his, his husband's yeah. back hair. No, he can't. But then he trips on a big black dick and everything's fine. <laughs> oh, what what wonderful writers we are. <laughs> Now, meow, meow. Yeah. This is a long clip. They move into discussing his supporters. I've heard over the years that his supporters are obnoxious fucking mm-hmm. assholes from people on Facebook. And I'm not on Facebook and really not on social media. So, and even when we started this podcast, I never got into politics on social media. Mm-hmm. I just don't. I don't get into like opinion politics really unless it's like op-eds. So, I never knew. Now, when Elizabeth Warren dropped out, I went immediately on Twitter and was like, let me get a witness. So I found this Sarah Silverman tweet where (laughs) Sarah Silverman is like, you know, innocently asking, shouldn't Elizabeth Warren immediately endorse Bernie? Innocently. And so I read the comments. There were thousands of comments and the vitriol (laughs) and the, I mean, the hate and the... 
self-righteousness, smugness, um, it's, it's like, lack of humor, it's, um, it's aggressiveness. Like this d- severe distaste. I'm trying to think of what the word would be like. And honestly, like enemies yeah. between Warren supporters and Bernie supporters uh-huh. and Biden supporters and Bernie supporters. And so I was opened up to this whole world of what this group is doing and that and they've been consolidated since 2016. Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't realize, and I've heard you say, Bernie bros, Bernie bros, Bernie bros. I was floored by the level that these guys go in. So they address it in this clip. I think it's interesting for people, like if they don't realize this phenomenon is going on, if you're not on Facebook a lot or you don't pay attention to what Bernie Sanders supporters are doing, you'll be surprised. There have been some really untoward attacks by Senator Sanders supporters, not by him himself, against you, uh, particularly online. Um, His supporters have called you a snake. They use Mm -hmm. this snake emoji for you. They've called you a traitor. Uh, They tried to organize somebody to primary you, to force you out of your Senate seat here in Massachusetts. Um, And and the senator said last night, uh, he, he responded, he said, I condemned that. And he's distancing himself from what his supporters have done. But I wanted to ask um, if if that rose to your level of consciousness, uh, if you if you were aware of that was going on, if you have any reaction to that or or to his uh, comments about it last night. You know, it's it's not just about me. I think there's a real problem with this online bullying and sort of organized nastiness. And I'm not just talking about who said mean things. I'm talking about some really ugly stuff that went on, you know, uh, in the uh, out in Nevada uh, when uh, the Unite Here had put out a, a an analysis of the different candidates and their views on healthcare and other issues, and uh, some of the Bernie supporters online took exception to it, and they didn't just take exceptions, like, we disagree, you know, outrageous way to do this, which anybody can do, that's fine, and you can be clever, and you can find clever ways to be kind of mean sometimes, okay, I get that part too, but they actually published the phone numbers and home addresses of the two women, the executive director, the communications director, women of color, immigrant women, uh, and really put them in fear for their families. Uh, uh, We are responsible for the people who claim to be our supporters and do really um, threatening, ugly, dangerous things for other, to other And it's a particularly, it's a particular problem with Sanders' supporters. It is, I mean, and it just is. It's just a factual question, Uh, and it is. Have you ever talked with Senator Sanders about that? I have. What was that conversation like? Uh, It was short. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, we've talked about it. But I think it's a real problem. Does he not share your view that he's responsible for the behavior of supporters? You know, I shouldn't speak for him. Mm -hmm. It's, It's something he should speak for himself on. But I do think it's something... That, that we need to reckon with in our political discourse mm-hmm. in particular because this is what politics is about is to get out and put your ideas out there and people choose sides people vote people say i'm holding a sign for her i'm holding a sign for him that is part of what we do but what underlies that is a fundamental human decency and respect for each other. Uh, an understanding that nobody tries to put somebody's family at risk or somebody personally at risk because they disagree with you on the politics of it, because they see the policy different, because they don't support your candidate and they support some other candidate. No. 
It was a thoughtful response to a very huge problem, and obviously Trump's side has that too. Bernie, the Bernie, um, whatever that faction or fraction is amongst the Bernie supporters who I guess are the dirtbags and the whatever, or people who, the the call-out culture and the social media and the the anger and the hatefulness and the self-righteousness, it just, it is exactly like Trump the Trump people exactly to a T and she's exactly right. And, 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 and the, to me though, it's worse with Bernie people because they eat within, within the party rather than, and I mean party or people or whatever. Right. It's like, it's like, and I, and I feel that that's a cowardice and it really bugs me. If you want to be like that, then go yell at the KKK. You want to yeah, like, be like that? She said, go you know what I mean? Yell at other Republicans. Like, Yell at Republicans, yeah. but you're within, whether it's the Democratic Party or She said they whatever. tried to call, order someone to run for Senate in Massachusetts and force her out of her Senate seat. And I'm like, what people, honestly, care, what Democrat who, who says they care, they want Bernie Sanders as president because they care about the country, wants a Democrat to lose their Senate seat, possibly right. to a Republican. She lost... I mean, she won and she beat an incumbent Republican, a very popular guy in Massachusetts. You're now going to try to force her out of her Senate seat? You don't give a fuck about being a Democrat. You don't give a fuck about this country. All you care about is Bernie Sanders. That is like Trump. It is exactly like Trump. And it's also... You want to talk about, like, militaristic fucking strong arming. Like, you're not the fucking Gestapo. And you know what? And for fucking Chris Matthews, who had to get fired because he said that the Bernie Sanders thing was like the Nazis coming in or whatever. It's like, okay... It's too far, but I'm going to say it. You are not the fucking Gestapo. You aren't. You don't get to go and strong arm and bully and go and say, like, you must do this now for this is what we want. Like, fuck off. Yeah. Fuck off. And honestly, if you do act like that, then he needs to act like your general and he needs to put you in check. Well, yes, that's right. What I thought was like, oh, he's amassed this army and these guys are like fucking hard ons without a fucking hole. And like he and they and he's not controlling his army. Right. And he's letting them run wild with loaded guns. And it's like, get a hold of your fucking army. It reminds me of Trump and that thing in Charlottesville where he said there's good people on both sides. And right. It was those KKK white people. nationalists and shit. <laughs> and they were violent and someone died. And Trump would rather just sit and be like, OK, everyone, each person has a right to say what they have to say. Because he didn't want to distance himself and risk losing one single supporter. And that's where I feel like here with Bernie Sanders, I know we have people that listen to this podcast that are Bernie supporters and they're great people. And we like Bernie. We're Bernie supporters, technically. You know what I mean? We like Bernie. We'll be fine if he gets there. But if I don't definitely don't want someone that is too scared to be like these assholes are not I'm not dealing with them. Right. It's like, how far do they have to go before they become KKK to you or they become dangerous people like yeah have some balls Bernie and get up and go look I appreciate your fucking passion but you're being douches and I don't want to be a part of it and I don't want to be affiliated with you Uh, it's embarrassing you're being gross you're immature you're self-righteous fucking assholes and it isn't what this this movement is about so take a seat and silence you on Twitter if you keep doing it and fucking control your army control your army so now this clip I find interesting because of our hard hours dedicated on the streets of Burbank to campaigning for Warren. Rachel Maddow basically asks her what went wrong and why there somehow now seems to be no clear way 
to campaign and win, particularly after Hillary in 2016. And now with Elizabeth Warren getting nowhere, having spent all this money and field offices and blah, blah, blah. So what went wrong? One of the things that surprised me the most about the way the primary has gone thus far is that the results so far feel divorced from the actual work and expenditure of campaigning. Uh, Ads didn't work, as proven by Steyer and Bloomberg blanketing the country uh, with ads and both failing early. Uh, But on the ground, field organizing didn't necessarily turn out results either. You had one of the biggest field operations of the entire field, which among other things is an expensive thing to maintain. Um, (laughs) Biden only had field offices in five of the 14 states that voted on Super Tuesday, but he still won 10 of the 14 states. Mm -hmm. He won by 30 points in Virginia with only one field office in Virginia. So if it's not expenditures on things like ads and it's not field field organizing that's doing it, I mean, it it sort of feels like whatever the rules are that we think are supposed to govern these sort of outcomes got suspended. You know, I think of it slightly differently. And that is uh, two and a half years ago, uh, people, uh, they ran polls. And who were the two leading Democratic uh, uh, nominees? Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders, right? And people said to me, when I was thinking about running, they said, look, there is an incumbent progressive president, Bernie Sanders, and there is an incumbent president moderate, and that's Joe Biden. Sort of those lanes those, are filled. They are filled, and they are filled with incumbents. That is, they have an, each one has an incumbent, and there are no more lanes. So this isn't going to work. And I, of course, you know, as I do on so many things, say, well, then I'll just have to invent it myself and develop a plan for this and make it happen. You know, there's another way to look at it, is to say, at least chipped away from that and got, you can take the soft parts of it, got more ideas into it, helped rebuild the democracy, because that's what field does. I still believe in field organizing. Mm. Helped at the margins. You don't know what I would have had without it. I might have been at zero, (laughs) right? Uh, It's... It pulls people in, it inspires people, it helps down ballot candidates. So look, I'm not sorry for one nickel I spent on field. In fact, I'll tell you something. If anyone does the woulda, shoulda, coulda, um, I probably spend less money on television advertising and put more money in the field. Hmm. Because field is the person to person. It is the part about rebuilding our democracy. I found going door to door a living hell. I mean, um, field is definitely not for me. I'm not for field. Field's not for me. And I learned in our campaigning um, in that day that as much as the thought, you know, sometimes you think like, I'm going to run for office. I want to do something. Well, no, no, no. Because you know what I'm not going to do is campaign. I'm not going to people. Nope. Nope. I'm not going to organize. I'm not going to. I'm not good at it. I didn't want to do it. Didn't want to like talk to people. I want them to come to me. They can come right. to me. Yeah. I'll take a line of people and talk. Yeah. But I'm not walking around being like, hey, do you want to? Uh, I'm not trying to trying to sell. Not trying to sell. Who was good at it, though? This guy. Yes. <laughs> my God. Yeah. Why don't you run for office? Well, I know that when we go to Kentucky to try and get out Mitch McConnell, where we take Brittany Cartwright and stand at the mall. Yeah. 
stand at the fucking fashion square or the Westfield Mall, yeah. you will stand there and people will come up to you and you will murder the scene because you're great when when there's a line for you. If they come to me. Right. So I and that is how them. we're gonna be. We're gonna be standing there and they're gonna be in the line for Britney but and I- you're gonna be like we're voting out Mitch McConnell. <laughs> and by the way, right. you're gay. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah, now, I would like the girls and burrs to know the your. I mean, I would I not would knock on a door. It would open and I'd be like, <clears throat> hi, um, we're like with the Warren campaign and just like we're just like trying and all. And then here's you. Um, have you decided who you're going to vote? For? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like, let's just cut to the chase. Um. What and it was just great, and then you got them. You got every single person talking. You're good at it. Yeah, it'd be like they'd be like, uh, "I'm just." They'd be holding their dog and be like, "Just really quick, who are you yeah, voting for? Really Do you know who you're voting for? Okay, have you made your mind? Okay, <laughs> well, just real quick, if you if you blah, blah, blah. now, I thought it was so interesting though what she said about Joe Biden and Bernie Sanders and the name recognition, basically the incumbents, the lanes being taken. Basically, Bernie Sanders been campaigning for four years. Yeah, so. Yeah. He just has. And so is Joe Biden. Joe yeah. Biden's been campaigning for 12. Yeah. So that and uh, honestly, he's been campaigning for 30 because he's run this third time yeah. for president. <laughs> the first time was like in but, the 80s. But the first, you know, eight years with Obama and then the last four. I don't know why people didn't realize it after Ronald motherfucking Reagan and Arnold Schwarzenegger. And now after Trump, why is it not in the number one in the campaign handbook and winning elections is. Get a celebrity. Right. Get a celebrity. No campaigning will get you as far as already being on a reality show. I was trying to think like what celebrity could be for the Democratic Party. And now we you've been surmising for a while that George Clooney has been being groomed to run. Now he's moving back to L.A., back to our hike with Kamala Harris, his (laughs) fucking Uh wife. Kamala Clooney or whatever the fuck and then and then um the two fucking annoying twins mm-hmm. they're he's getting nanny quarters built really children's where he can never has to see the kids probably a Kamala Clooney quarters mm. but it's all for the grooming all for the build up to the run is he going to do California is he going to do I don't know I don't know either but he will win and oh he will he win. will win and if, if you, kamala t- goes with speaking of kamala if kamala harris the real one goes with biden mm-hmm. senate seat open senate seat open team america world police will be coming true <laughs> you heard it it here will first. be happening you heard george clooney first. will be in the world order and by the way you heard kamala harris biden first too here. that is right we've been so, talking about that for months if it goes biden harris clooney senate it's gonna. He's, we will get two more listeners. Yeah, <laughs> off of those perdioks. Now we weren't sure if we had time to include this, and I'm sure people are like, "You don't." But <laughs> we thought it was interesting because Rachel asked Elizabeth Warren to basically analyze the financial implications of the coronavirus, and so, and of course, Elizabeth Warren has everything on her resume, which allows her to do this. Right. So she starts by explaining the current state of the economy right before the coronavirus even hit, which is interesting and what we want everyone to know and what we're hoping we just simply can retain and remember because it's the whole thing about Trump and the economy, Trump and the economy, that he's running on the economy. All these dick fucks think that the economy is so great. And here is from a Harvard law professor (laughs) explaining where the cracks in the economy are prior to the uh, coronavirus. 
You rose to national prominence around the last global financial catastrophe, predicting it, uh, crucially helping explain it while it was happening, and then trying to save us from mm -hmm. its impact. This crisis that we're going through now, and that we're heading into now because of coronavirus, is, mm -hmm. is different. Is it reasonable to be worried that this might be a financial disaster of a similar scale? Yes. Do you think it is? So understand it this way. Uh, before the coronavirus was on anybody's radar screen, this economy was already showing the cracks. Uh, uh, lending defaults, uh, loan defaults were up, small businesses were were failing and not able to, to uh, help uh, pay their, not able to service their debts. Uh, there were declines in manufacturing. You kind of could see shaky signs in the economy. Problem number one. And then problem number two, the Trump administration had spent the bailout tools. So they'd done this ginormous tax break, right, and ballooned the debt and done rate cuts to juice the economy. And the consequence of both of those had not been investment in the real economy. It had been to do things like stock buybacks mm -hmm. that produced a lot of profits for a handful of folks at the top and for the corporate executives, but didn't didn't actually create more 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 goods and more services in the economy. So, OK. When we talk about the economy and everyone's like, the economy is so good and the rich people are like, the economy is so good and there's so many jobs and blah, blah, blah. She just basically sort of, you know, said it. It's like the people who are benefiting from this great economy are the people who are already rich because they're just buying back their own money. Yep, that's right. <laughs> like, that's it. We're not making any money. So people we're not who are creating support, anything. There's we're no not making services, anything. There's no jobs. There's nothing. We're We're living in a... In, in recycled air and recycled money and regular people are working two and three jobs yep. so those people can fucking do their wall street speculation bullshit right i don't know anyone with just one job i'm sure every all 14 listeners are like i just got one job well you know what i don't know anyone in la and i really truly t swear to god on my life i do not know one person in la that just has one job right i don't no i, I don't. don't i don't either okay so then this next clip is the piggybacking of now the economy was already weak and how the coronavirus is now going to cause an economic catastrophe. So you've got a kind of cracky economy and you've got the tools spent down and then along comes the coronavirus. And now you're going to get hit again because it's things like supply chains, uh, the trucks that are stopped in China and just literally the stuff is just not coming over. So manufacturers here in the United States that need 147 parts to put something together to send it out, uh, two of those parts come from China, you're done. Uh, you need the ingredients to be able to manufacture a drug and two of those come from China and you're just done on this. So that starts twisting the economy. Then part two, you have an economy right now that is deeply interrelated. Five big banks in America now, and they're not only here, they're tied all around the world. So as soon as one of these businesses that can't do its manufacturing or can't produce its drugs because it has a supply chain problem, can't make a loan payment, and you start stacking those up, all of a sudden those banks are, they're in trouble themselves more defaults on the loans now the bank starts to get into trouble because like what happened in the mortgage market more defaults the defaults start to stack up and the risk starts to go up now the banks have already tried to seize 
advantage from this and said, I know, reduce supervision of the banks. Very bad idea, right? right? This is not the time to reduce supervision of the bank, but that's the... Redu I don't even... I, I don't think we should ever reduce supervision of the bank. <laughs> no. I'm like the kind of person that wants my money under mm. the bed in a shoebox. I'm like living that type of life. Yeah. I always have been. Yeah. I would be do I would be doing something illegal, a cash job that's illegal, if I had a better, swifter way to launder money. I know. I just would. I just yeah. would. I feel sorry for all the illegal enterprises out there that <laughs> everything's online now and they're kind of fucked, you know? Yeah. It's like everything got exponentially harder for them. So totally. basically that's what we decided were the highlights. And then this is the thing that Rachel Maddow said to Elizabeth Warren at the end, which impressed me. I look oh, forward to uh, your next act. I have a feeling that you've outfunk us all on oh, this one and you're going to surprise us. And she said, we're going to yeah. have fun. Yeah. Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren said, oh, we're going to have fun. Yeah. And Rachel Maddow giving her intelligence props right and acknowledging that it this isn't the end of the road right. i just i my i just i can't thank rachel maddow enough yeah. i'm so happy it made me so happy it made me feel good yeah and it made me feel better and it gave yeah. me the hope back and i want to say i do like bernie sanders and i do like joe biden mm -hmm. and i'm gonna be i am truly honestly gonna be horrified and pissed whichever one of them gets in and i'm gonna be <laughs> excited and sexy for whichever one of them gets in there's mm. there's reasons that will irritate me for both of them and there's reasons that will make me super stoked on both of them so i truly don't feel like i can lose um now going forward mm. and how i want to know how do you feel i feel similar i'm holding on to a little bit of a grudge to be honest and you have a right if i'm totally honest let's, let's hear about it <laughs> I like Bernie and Joe too, Joe Biden as well, and I'm more mad at the Bernie supporters who, and it's not even, and I know a lot of people feel that way. Yeah, and I don't, and it's just, it just is, it's just in there, but again, it's just like a hard thing to reconcile, because it's like, I like him, and I like the, what he stands for, and the whatever, but these fucking dirtbags, and these, 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 these aggressive like super super left even like with Ilhan Omar and, and Sarah Silverman throwing this passive aggressive like if the if the more in people would have just voted for Bernie then we would uh, uh, constantly putting blame everywhere constantly shifting the focus constantly never taking just responsibility for you and also I personally feel if you're faced with Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren in this particular time and you're sitting there talking about a revolution and how we need to have diversity and why isn't it time for a woman president? Well, it's not time for a woman president because you chose to vote for a man who is literally almost the same as her, but less realistic. So with no plans, with no plans, you had Bernie Sanders in Elizabeth Warren with an actual plan, but you voted for Bernie because... You're sexist. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know. I, and I'm, I'm happy yeah, and to, to those talk guys, with people about some it. Of but those I, guys really do seem sexist. The guys. I mean, whatever with the women, but the guys, the dirtbag left and all that shit. They're pretty aggressive. Right. You know, why would you go be so mad at Elizabeth Warren because she her and him got into a thing on stage? Right. Like, to the point where you need to attack her. Why are you that mad? I, uh, why aren't you attacking who needs to be a t I just don't oh, get that it. You know they went in on Hillary. Yeah, of course. You, what are you going in on all these women? Yeah. You're fucking cowards. 
it's that vitriol and that hate and I get it. I have I I get like that too. And I have that inside of me too. But go put it on where it where it needs to be. It's not within. We're not it's one thing to fight with your brothers and sisters and have familial fights and it can be nasty, but when it gets like this, you're just showing your ass and you're I'm just not into it and it leaves me giving me bad taste. That makes perfect sense and I think a lot of people feel that way and and if he gets to be president or even just the candidate, they feel like they're signing up for that. Yeah. And I don't like it. Now it's time for So There's That. Okay, so this is the part of the show where Julie has to find a so there's that moment that's happening amongst all the shitty ass shit that goes on every single minute of the day. She's done it every week for three fucking years and it doesn't seem to be getting any easier. But every week that goes by brings us closer to the Uh, end of Trump. So at least there's that, right, Meow Meow? That's right. Or there's four more years of Trump. So there's that too. Right. (laughs) Well, remember the Mueller report? I do I do (laughs) I do okay back when life was simpler and we had one one enemy yeah remember when Robert Mueller took two years and investigated Trump and Russian collusion and then wrote up a report that we all read I mean other people read to us half of it was redacted and then Mueller sat at a hearing basically telling us dick and he turned out to be like less interesting than Lurch from Adam's family you know that is yeah like I will marry Lurch and have a thousand of his babies before even wanting to sit down with the conversation with Mueller. Well, it turned out he was a lying fucking Republican asshole <laughs> who published the Mueller report and then sweet, sweet listeners got it for us as a gift. That's right. Now, but the one main thing he had to say was that was this. This was the whole thing of the whole thing. If he could charge Trump with obstruction of justice, he might. If he wasn't a sitting president, maybe can't say one way or another, but he did say he wouldn't not do it. Okay. also, we're not going to use the word collusion here, but we will say Russia did, whether vertently or inadvertently to Trump's knowledge, they did mean to help Trump's campaign. In addition, there's like 6,700 million ties with Trump and pretty much everyone that worked on his campaign with Russia. But collusion, technically, no. But if you were to pursue the matter further, you may find another word, which may lead to the word crime. (laughs) Okay. So after Mueller finished his shitty report, he handed it to Bill Barr, the American attorney general, our American lawyer. He's the one protecting the people as the highest, basically, prosecutor in the land. He, much like all of the Department of Justice, swore an oath to defend the Constitution and the law and not ever be bipartisan because they are the department which ensure Trump is not above the law. Well, apparently, Mr. Barr has been secretly and not even that secretly taking a shit on that oath every night and talking to Trump on their fucking walkie talkies like they're two boys from an 80s movie who are about to find an alien or see a boob for the first time. Are they not supposed to talk? They can talk, but they should be talking about whatever's going on in Trump. Who's ever trying to charge Trump with some shit? You know what I mean? Bill Barr's not his fucking attorney. You know what I'm saying? Is that what they're talking about? Well, I'm just imagining (laughs) allegedly allegedly now 
Bill Barr told us all there's no grounds for prosecution, according to the Mueller report. Don't worry about it. There's no crimes here. And here it is for you all to read, except for like a million pages that, you know, he needed to black out so no one could see what the crimes were. I mean, come on. We have some awesome dirt digging justice seekers out there who need to be celebrated and they will not be denied. And they're saying, no, honey, no, 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 we we you don't get to black out all those pages. That's not right. That's not fair. We're fucking sitting here reading the Mueller report. We don't have the whole report. So this guy named Jason Leopold, who's a BuzzFeed reporter, along with the Electronic Privacy Information Center, brought a lawsuit stating Barr's redactions were against the Freedom of Information Act, since that information should be public. And, and, and what's even better is the judge, this guy, fucking clearly can't stand Bill Barr at all. And when I tell you the cunt, uh, the shade, the side eye, the front eye, it was all there. Judge Reggie B. Walton, a Republican appointed federal judge, ruled that Barr had to give him directly and privately the fully unredacted version of the Mueller report so he could read it for himself and make his decision. Yeah, see if it was freaking uh, needed to be fucking concealed. Right. Decision regarding whether or not it falls under the Freedom of Information Act. The thing is, he didn't just leave it at that. He went on to let Bill Barr know the reason he's going to read it himself is because he doesn't trust that motherfucker. He read Barr to filth and it was glorious. <laughs> Just some of the things he said. Mr. Barr put forward a distorted and misleading account of its findings and lacked credibility on the topic. Mr. Barr cannot be trusted. Judge Reggie B. Walton said, citing inconsistencies between the attorney general's statements about the report when it was secret and its actual contents that turned out to be more dam damaging to President Trump. Mr. Barr's lack of candor called into question his credibility and in turn the department's assurances to the court. The differences between the report and Mr. Barr's description of it caused the court to seriously question whether Attorney General Barr made a calculated attempt to influence public discourse about the Mueller report in favor of President Trump, despite certain findings in the redacted version of the Mueller report. To the contrary. So I say unto all of us, as we wallow in our sadness about democracy and the rule of law, this actually is a tiny glimmer that even judges who most likely would force you to have an unwanted pregnancy are possibly still working within the law and are calling liars and obstructors when they see it. Did he get the uh, did he say they need to unredact the report? Well, he yeah, I love well to him. I love this guy. Apparently, he's been throwing shade at Bill Barr from the beginning. He's talked so much shit about him and he just doesn't fucking like but the he guy. hasn't ruled that the public gets to see not it. yet because he hasn't read it yet. Mark my words, Judge Reggie Walton is going to have his own show soon, like a people's court, called the People's Fuck You Trump and Bar Court. It's being rumored that Bill Barr is going to have to quit or he'll be fired now. But even if he doesn't, that judge has affirmed for all of us what we all knew. Trump is guilty and Bill Barr is acting as Trump's personal lawyer. He's a shill and a pandering suck up who perverts the law for his God and boss and his days are numbered. And Judge Reggie B. Walton, sir, you're a revelation and a gift to us in our time of need. So there's that. So 
that's it for this episode of Dumb Gay Politics. We love you guys so much. Thank you for listening. Please, please consider signing up for our Patreon podcast if you haven't yet. There are a lot of people on there who don't even listen to this podcast. They only do the Patreon. Yes, that's true. So if you like us, but you don't want to hear us talk about fucking politics all the time, you want to hear us talk about other things, then go to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and you can listen to a free episode that we pinned right at the top. And if you like that episode, then you can choose to sign up for one podcast a week for $1 or two podcasts a week for $2. It's super easy. Patreon automatically charges you at the end of the month. You can cancel anytime. You can share your password with 10 friends to make it cheaper, whatever you want to do. That's right. And you can listen on your phone. Um, just like this one and all you have to do is download the Patreon app and listen through that or you can get the RSS feed and put it in iTunes or Spotify or whatever app you use for podcasts I didn't even have to do anything it just connected to my iTunes to the it was so easy like it literally goes into my into my iPhone it's great it's so easy you guys it's so easy and as always it's been real and it's been fun but mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb and Elizabeth Warren still Elizabeth Warren still (laughs) How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful handyman. He's just a little broad dime because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look. Don't judge a book by its cover. I'm not much of a man. By the light of day, but by night I'm one hell of a lover. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Let me show you a rhyme, maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty grooving. If you want something visual, that's not too abysmal. We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. <laughs> Stay for the night. Night. Or maybe a bite. Night. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. A sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. Transylvania.
show. Come up to the lab and see what's on the slab. I see you shiver with anticipation. But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. 